in that manner, but that typically is something we want to know the answer to when we meet someone we don't know. We want to know a little bit more about them. In the past, the topics that we have on the screen, sex, gender, and identity, have all been separate subjects and all been conversations we may or may not have with individuals depending on our relationships and things of that nature. But in the recent past, this has all gotten morphed together and they kind of sort of maybe mean all one and the same and there's a lot of confusion. So in our study this morning, our studies, this is the direction and these are the things that we want to talk about. In each of these areas, there is a tremendous amount of data. There is a tremendous amount of information and news stories that are out there you probably are familiar with. We're going to do our best to stay away from all of that. A few things here and there. We don't want to talk about opinions. We don't want to get into emotions necessarily. But we really want to address in our first study this morning... What should our identity be? When we're looking at answering the question, who are you? What should be the things that come to our mind that maybe we answer? Or maybe more importantly, as people are looking at our lives, what conclusion should they reach? By looking at some of the things that are going on, you know I'm a word nerd and we want to look at some definitions. When we look at the word identity, by definition from uh, facing history, it is the quality, the beliefs, the traits of our personality, our appearance, and or our expressions that characterize who we are. Not really anything new there. So some of the interesting little things that make us unique. We look a little bit more uh, from Berkeley in the most broad sense, we can define identity as a person's self established by their unique characteristics, affiliations, and social roles. Moreover, identity has continuity. Hmm. Identity has continuity as one feels to be the same person over time despite many changes in their circumstances. So you're already seeing some things Maybe there is just a little bit of contrast. We don't want to spend a lot of time, but then this concept of identity, it, it is a very narrow focus because there are many things that are associated with what makes us who we are. Identity is one of them, but there's also personality and there's also character. So we just wanted to kind of mention those in passing. So identity, how we're seen how we are perceived. Some of that has to do with how we perceive ourselves, but mostly it's how others perceive us. If we think about the person, the identity of Christ. Christ came on the scene. Who are you? Well, if I was identifying Him, I would say He's about 5'11". And according to the pictures I have seen, he had very long, flowing, golden hair. He was light-complected, and he had the prettiest baby blue eyes of anyone. Those are the pictures that I have seen. And that's, that's, who, that's not who he was identified. When he came on the scene, and who does the Son of Man say that I am? What was the response? Some say you're Simon Bar-Jonah. Some say you're Elijah. That had nothing to do with his physical appearance 
or necessarily his personality. Where'd that come from? It was some of the things he was saying and some of the things that he was doing. But so when we look at this concept of identity back at that time, this definition was quite different. Even the multitude came to him in Matthew chapter 21 and said, the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. For a long period of time, who you were was tied to possibly your genealogy, the work of your parents. This is the carpenter's son. The area from which you are from, we know nothing good comes out of the area of Nazareth. Or even the geographical region is how that individuals were recognized. Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who he was from. And people were able to identify just a little bit from that. But things have changed just a little bit. Maybe it, it, had, it used to be something associated with the last name. Not so much anymore. Or perhaps core beliefs, or what was right or wrong, or maybe we could even get into some politics. And even not too long ago, if you watch Wheel of Fortune or some of the other things, tell me a little bit about you. One of the first things they do, what job I have. Or perhaps they talk about their family life. But normally, I am a computer programmer, or I am a trucker, or what have you. A little bit about what I do for a living, a little bit about my personal life, and a little bit about my hobbies. That's normally the index card that they fill out. However, that has begun to change quite a little bit. Because now instead of relating from that broader sense of maybe my background, that has evolved into me. That has evolved into I. I am my own person, never mind where I come from, never mind my upbringing, never mind my religious or non-religious affiliation, never mind my education, never mind my hobbies. I am blazing my own trail. I am thinking for my own self. I am creating my own truth. We talked a little bit about that in Bible class this morning. Where the story was about the world in which I live in, see if we can get there, the world in which I live in and how I fit into that world has evolved into me and how the world fits me. It's reversed. Never mind how I fit into the world and my place in the world, but how the world fits me. That's what it is we want to talk about. Where did some of this come from? Interestingly enough, a good while back, back in the early 90s, the Supreme Court of the United States, at the heart of liberty, oh, that's our word, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that's our word, that's our foundation. At the heart of freedom, you've got my attention, at the heart of freedom, is the right to define one's own concept of existence. Of the meaning of existence. Of the meaning of the universe. And the mystery of human life. I don't know that I completely comprehend all that that says. 
But the conclusion that I reach is, it's up to you. It's up to you as a child to learn and to figure out your definition of everything. Imagine that. Being a six-year-old with no foundation whatsoever of what the world is, of what life is, of what death is. Is there an eternity? Is there not an eternity? Is there morality? Is there not morality? Is, does human life begin at this point? Does human life begin? Is there even value at human life? Does humans have more right to this earth than a tree? I don't think so. I believe a tree has just as many rights as a human. It's up to you. And I have to wonder why so many children are on anxiety medication. That's a staggering number. You want to look it up. Why are children so anxious or concerned or afraid? The world is totally unknown. And that comes from a good while back from the foundation of the country in which we live. How we see self. This is it. How I see identity. How I identify me. Whatever makes you happy in the moment. Now wait a minute. One of the definitions we just looked at said it doesn't change over time. Well, that definition is going to have to change. We'll see that in a while. Because what makes me happy should have the ability to make some significant changes depending on where I am. You do what you believe is going to make you happy in this world. You define it. It's totally your right and your liberty, says our Supreme Court. You allow others to do what makes them happy. As long as it doesn't impede on your happiness. Now wait, hang on. You can't have, you can't have both. I support everything that others are doing as long as they agree with what I'm doing. Now isn't that interesting? You believe what you want to believe, you practice what you want to practice, and I will support you as long as it doesn't go against what makes me happy. And we kind of see that out there now. You have your freedom, I have my freedom, and we both are going to be... As long as your freedom doesn't interfere with my freedom. So the story is about me. Everyone else in the world is a supporting character in my story. Everyone else in the world is a supporting character of my story. So what do we see? This is an opinion. A lot of facts to back this up. Marriage, or lack thereof. Saw a story the other day, and a woman was talking about uh, how hard it was to raise her five children being a single mother. And then it came out that she wasn't... She was a single mother... But she has a fiancé in which they have been engaged for 10 years. Because that's my definition. That's where I want to be in my life. The single mother of five children. 
What about alcohol and other substances that we talked a little bit about in Bible class this morning? Don't tell me I can't partake of this because this is going to fulfill my needs. This is going to take me where I want to go. And you must support me in that. Did you see the story recently of a mother that went on a 10-day vacation and left her 16-month-old home by itself? It, It died. Shocker. What kind of place do you have to be in? What kind of decisions have you made in life that get you to a point that my vacation is more important than a human life? That's the world in which we live in. Not providing the basic necessities. I think I've shared this. One high school in Little Rock was visiting that school a while back, and it's, it's, a rough, it's a rough school. And the teacher had an immense control over the class. I was, I was really impressed. And I asked him, how, do you, how did you connect with these students? He said, they're hungry and I feed them. I was like, dude, that's deep. He went, no. A bag of apples, a bag of oranges a day, top right-hand drawer. They know it's there. These are high school kids. He said, yes, they are. You've got breakfast. The school feeds them. He said, that kid is six foot three, weighs 325 pounds. Half an apple and a Pop-Tart don't quite do it. He said, these kids are coming in hungry. And they're adults for the most part. They're not going to tell anybody. He said, but they know every day there's something in that top right-hand drawer they don't have to ask. We, we, didn't, we didn't have breakfast at school when I went to school. But we had breakfast. I never went to school hungry. But we have kids. We have kids. That's the point. That we, that's where we are. That's where we are today. Whatever makes me Happy. I don't care what you think. I don't care if others like it. I just ask that you accept it. You don't have to like it. You just have to accept it. And you have to support and you have to agree with me because that, that, that makes me happy. Well, what happens when you're not happy? What happens when the decisions that you have made all of a sudden don't turn out the way you want? And we talked a little bit about that this morning because you're making decisions. You look at the unhappiness and frequently that's where some of the substance abuse comes from. Years ago, uh, I got to visit with some convicts and they were addressing an educational symposium and basically they were all gang members. Every single one of them in emotional testimony The reason I'm in a gang is they love me, they care for me, they take care of me, they give me what I need. It's their family. I didn't have a family. And this gang is filling that that gap. That's the world in which we, that's what the world in which we live in. In this world that we see what makes me happy this last week, Daughter of a lady my wife works with jumped off an overpass 
in front of a truck. 31 years old. Something wasn't going right. Something had taken a turn. And we see that when we look at particularly, we're talking a little bit about transgender, if you will, as, as a focus. As we see that that's a topic that's in the world today that people are making the decision, here's how I'm going to identify because that's who I want to be and that's who I want to be recognized as. That's going to fulfill me. That's going to make me happy. Even as a five-year-old, I can make that decision. Supreme Court says so. And mommy and daddy support me. Okay? Suicidal rate. Happiness, if we're happy, there shouldn't be any problems. However, you read the fine print, 82% of transgender individuals have considered killing themselves. 82% of individuals that made the decision have considered it, and 40% have attempted it. Those are not good statistics to create a foundation of making a decision that makes you happy. We go down to the bottom. 56% of youth reported a previous suicide attempt and 86% have suicidal thoughts. Let's leave those numbers with you. It's the world we live in and on the other side of it, one study out of many that shows this. This is from July 29th of 2020. We talked a little bit this morning. I, one of the many rabbit trails that I went down, I was really curious. We're seeing more and more mass shootings. Number one, there's been a change of a definition of what mass is. I think it's any more than two, which is still significant, don't get me wrong. A couple of professors actually dug into this a little bit. It's a pretty interesting conversation from Politico, from Jillian Peterson and James Densley. And they basically said early childhood trauma seems to be the foundation. We read through Romans this morning of some of the things that was going on then. And we already know some of the things that are going on in families today and that there is no structure whatsoever. They are defining what right is, what wrong is. All of these things are going on. They've gone through violence in the home, sexual assault, parental suicides or parental thoughts, bullying, hopelessness, despair, isolation, self-loathing, rejection from peer. And that turns into a really identifiable crisis point where they're acting differently. Something changes. Sometimes they too have previous suicide thought. So let's talk a little bit about getting back to God's plan for our identity. God's plan for man. In 1 Samuel, David had been anointed king after Saul was rejected. And there's a single verse there. Yahweh said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance at the height of his structure, structure, because I have rejected him. I believe he was referencing David and Saul. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but Yahweh God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's read verses 16 and following. Not a lot of commentary is necessary because Paul pretty much 
sums it up. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16. Avoid godless and empty chatter. It will further ungodliness. Their word will spread like gangrene among them Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they have upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. Knows who you are. He recognizes His children as our Father. The Lord knows who are His. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to depart from wickedness. Now in a large house there are not, uh, not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of clay, some to honor, some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, having prepared for every good work. Flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness. Youthful lust. Things that comes into your mind as the hormones begin to churn a little bit and you begin to see things in a little different way than you used to. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome. Interesting use of a word there. Slave, obedient, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may give them repentance, leaving to the full knowledge of the truth, which is what is missing. There is no truth. You define truth. And that they may come to their Senses. I didn't say that. What? That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. See through all of it and reach a conclusion based on truth. Vessels. A vessel is something hollow. Typically, whatever is inside the vessel is more valuable than on the outside of the vessel. We read that the light of the gospel. We have this light, light of the world, Matthew 5. We have this light inside us as a vessel, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. So inside this vessel, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not self. This light inside this vessel that God has given us. And Paul telling Timothy, be very careful of the things outside this vessel that's going to have an impact upon it. Let's consider Paul's perspective just a little bit more. He spent a great deal of time with a number of the people that he worked with, the church at Ephesus being one of them. In Ephesians chapter 3, we actually could read all of chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. We're not going to do that. But let's look at a couple of things. Almost exactly the same thing is in Colossians chapter 3. 
little different words. Also, it would be great to take time and read that. But we're not. Some words that he used, some, some key phrases. This reason I, Paul, am a prisoner. Who was Paul? Kind of keep that in the Paul, who are you? Keep that in the back of our mind. Who did they want them to identify him as? For this reason, I'm a prisoner. We just read the word slave just a moment ago. On behalf of you Gentiles. Verse 8. The very least of all saints. Paul, you're an apostle. You're one of the chosen. You had a, you had a vision of Jesus. You spoke to Jesus. I'm the least. Don't look at me. Don't consider me of my background and perhaps who I was. I am the very least, but grace was given to me, to proclaim to the Gentiles the good news of the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light for all what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities. That... that Mystery was Gentiles, not just Jews, Gentiles can now be a part of God's family. He continues. We read verse uh, 10. Let's drop down to verse number 16. That He would give you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in the inner man. Inner man. The word heart comes up frequently as another term from inner man and Vine's dictionary defines heart as the hidden springs of life. Hidden meaning sometimes it's only you know that it is there. Sometimes those springs become visible. But it is where all of the decisions, it's where all of the knowledge, where the truth, where the morality, where the character, where all of that is housed and decisions are made. He calls it the inner man here in verse number 16. To be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. And in verse number 20. Now to Him who is able to do more abundantly beyond all that we ask or understand. Happy maybe could be inserted there. According to the power that works from that inner man. From within us. Chapter 4. I prisoner of the Lord. Verse 1. Exhort you. Walk worthy of the calling, your identity. You have this calling, you have this light, you have this mission, you have this grace, you have this Father. You walk worthy of what is inside that vessel from which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing one another with love, be diligent, keep the unity, get along with one another. Verse number 7, But to each one of us grace was giving according to the measure of the gift of Christ, according to the varying abilities, verses 11 and following. Some have abilities that are a little bit different than others as we understand. He goes into that. Every vessel is not exactly the same. But verse number 14, We're no longer children. My grandson... When he was first began to realize the world around him, Thomas the train, and in grandma's house, over there is a pile of Thomas the train. Because Thomas the train didn't last very long. 
Because he's a child. And he got tired of that in verse number 14. No longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Any little thing, that, any little shiny thing that comes along. Ooh. We see that. He said, you're no longer a kid. You're no longer children. By trickery of men. Interesting use of a word. By craftiness and deceitful scheming. Those are powerful words we could spend some time on. Of what's going on in the world to convince advertising before my grandson. It worked. <laughs> he then went to superheroes and the dogs, the, the, the pals. Uh, yeah. Chapter 5. Be imitators. God as His children. Where does that come from? By knowing, by understanding, submitting to one another, by being subjects, and by not fulfilling the desires that are outside that vessel. Paul told in Acts, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember me. Paul saw that he was very soon going to depart this world. I want you to remember me. Take a picture. Somebody, get some paint. Make a portrait. Put it on the wall. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. He starts off in chapter number 4, beginning to kind of get into that. We've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the Word of God but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, inner man, in the sight of God, our witness. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is not shining through that vessel, it's veiled to those who are perishing. So he continues on. Let's drop down to um, verse 18 in chapter 5. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as God is pleading through. I'm in Corinthians. Thank you. Let me find Acts. I was going to make it work. I've done it before. Acts. Chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I'm like, I don't know where this is going, but that's not where we're supposed to go. They are threatened and they are released. And I think I am in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. My apologies. I had it marked and everything. Acts chapter 20. He goes in about verse number 17 and verse number 18, beginning to kind of wind down. He's telling his farewell to the church at Ephesus, which we just talked about just a moment ago. 
When they come to him, they said, You yourselves know that from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility. That's who he was. And with tears, that was identity. With trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink or shirk from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying both of the Jews and the Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Verse 26, I testify to you this day I am innocent of the blood of any. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and all of the flock. That's who he was. And it wasn't that he was telling them something and he was identifying himself with someone they didn't know. He was just reminding them from the very beginning, this is what I wanted to bring. This is who I wanted to. I am simply a servant. I am simply a representative. Here is what is inside of me. We'll go back to verse number 22. Behold, I am bound by the Spirit. Boundaries, rules. Go here, don't go here. There is a plan. There is a direction. I am bound by the Spirit. I am on my way to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me there. He had a pretty good idea. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that chains and afflictions await me. I'm going. It's not going to be pretty. I do not make my life of any account, nor dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of grace. He goes on and tells them to care for the church. He goes on and he tells them in verses 32 and following to keep up the fight. I commend you by the word of His grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs. And everything I showed you that by laboring in this manner, you must help the weak and remember to the Lord Jesus Himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's the epitaph. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to remember me, but you look right through this vessel to what's inside. You look right through this body. You look right through the frailty. You look right through anything that this body represents and you see the driving force that is inside it. The identity of the heart. The identity of the heart. We're told no man can serve two masters. Back to that master and slave concept. You cannot serve two, for you will love the one and hate the other. You will preference the one and not preference the other quite as much. You cannot serve two masters. Matthew chapter 6, after Christ went into kind of a lengthy discourse about the physical things of this life, this reason I say to you, do not be worried. Anxious, I believe is the, what uh, King James says. Amplified says, perpetual, perpetually uneasy or distracted. Do not be perpetually one right after the other 
uneasy or distracted about your life. A long ways to go to get to that verse. Do not be distracted by yourself, your identity, your care, your concern of how other people see you, perceive you. Do not, as to what you will eat, what you will drink, not for your body, not what you're going to wear which I think was less of a concern back then than it is today, is not life more than food and the body more than raiment or clothing? Everyone doesn't answer that question the same. Paul would answer it one way. The Pharisees would answer it another. Those that belong to God, God's children, would answer it one way. And those in Romans chapter 1 that we talked about would probably answer it another way. Is not life more? If you have the knowledge, if you have the information, if you have the truth, yes. But if you have not received the truth, or it has not been given to you, Paul said veil, if it has been covered from you and you don't have it, it's not. all you're going to get out of this life is what you can get out of what you can get out of life. But we are created in God's image. We understand that. We have individual characteristics that set apart. We understand that. Yet our identity should be less individual and more the same. And when we come together, we see these characteristics align and be the same as Paul told Ephesus and Colossae, reflecting the image of the new man. Seek first His kingdom. That's really all that verse we need to read. Priorities. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. What Paul say? For therein, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news. For therein is righteousness revealed. Therein is truth. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All these other things, they'll fall into place. Or be overly concerned. Be distracted. Be perpetually uneasy. There's a pill for that if it gets over out of control. Try to find happiness. Define happiness all on your own. Good luck with that. Just when you think you have found happiness, you're going to realize that didn't work. And you may find yourself in a position you can't back out of it. And if you're that unhappy, getting out of this world is sometimes the only option for some folks. And that's where, that's where we are. Our identity isn't the outer man. However, as we're going to talk in our next study, there is a place for this body, oddly enough. But we're not to be so concerned that this is all we think and this is all we, how we are perceived. Because God has told us our identity is already through those guides, through those boundaries that has been established 
long, long ago in the old law and then brought to light even more into the new. If you might be here this morning in any way subject to that call of God, He bid you come as we stand and sing the song of encouragement.